What's up, guys? Welcome into a week 15 edition of Chargers Weekly. As always, joined by Matt Money-Smith. Money, when this schedule came out and you saw December and you saw Thursday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs, I think you could dream that maybe this would be something that would matter. Maybe this would be something for the division. And guess what? It's for first place in the AFC West. Bolts did their job on Sunday, sets up uh, a big one on Thursday. I don't think it gets much bigger in the regular season. No, well, I'll be honest, Chris. The first thing I did was do a double take because we've gone to Kansas City every December on a Thursday night. Uh, The seemingly the last, this is my fifth year now doing it since the Chargers moved to LA. So yeah, I I don't know, for whatever reason, the schedule makers like doing Thursday night football, Chargers Chiefs, but it was always in Kansas City and it was always freezing. Well, we got Thursday night. It's 70 degrees in Kansas City today, and I was at the stadium last night doing a a charity event, and I'm not kidding when I say it was cold. It was cold. Like, I was there when this game is going to be in the third quarter. I was on the field, and my feet were freezing. Um, I think it's supposed to dip into, like, the low 40s, high 30s. So we're going to get Kansas City weather in L.A., um, you know, I think it's, I think the first thing we got to get out of the way is just what an incredible shame it is that we are not going to have these two teams at full strength that arguably two of the best players, uh, one on each team, Rashawn Slater, the left tackle and Chris Jones, the de- defensive tackle are not going to be part of this game. And man, it just sucks. I-, I wish we could have these teams at full strength to, you know, get the second chapter of what I think is going to be a, uh, a three chapter affair. I-, I-, I truly do. I believe these two teams will see each other again in the playoffs and, like you said, you cannot get better than having meaningful December football, especially in your division, especially against the team that has dominated this conference the last three years. We're going to have uh, Daniel Popper and Jeff Miller join us for a roundtable in just a couple minutes. Hey, Money, before we get into football, though, tell me about that event last night, the Fill the Field event. I mean, it's really cool. It's yeah, really, it was really cool. cool. So they had about 20,000 toys, uh, some that were donated. Um, by toy companies and toy distributors, some that were purchased uh, through just the, the charity and goodwill of individual donors. Um, it's run by a, a foundation called Trina's Kids. I met Vince and Carla, the, the couple that run it. I uh, named it after his mother who passed away to, to honor her, helps out disadvantaged kids in the, the greater Los Angeles area. And so they, they filled all of SoFi Field with toys. Like the entire field is just covered in toys, and then they brought in at the end of it all. So we're hosting it, you know, interviewing a lot of folks that were affiliated with the project, talking to them about how it came together. And, um, you know, the, 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 the highlight, you know, the moment of the evening is, you know, you have all these kids that come up from Midnight Mission and Home Light that have no idea what's going on. The curtain opens and they get to run on the field and grab a bunch of toys um, for the holiday season. So, yeah, it was it was awesome. It was really cool to be part of that. It's amazing, man. It's uh, it's it's just so cool because you know the the Chargers play Sunday, they play Thursday, but in between, it's what really matters, man. Yeah, like getting kids uh, an opportunity to get some toys during the holiday. It's very cool. Yeah. So, real real quick before we bring in Popper and Jeff, I just want to get your reaction to the throw. Um, it's it's your call is going viral. Uh, <laughs> DJ saying it's the best throw he's ever seen has gone viral. What was that moment like for you guys in the booth? I mean, I think you, you heard it, right? It's just, it's obviously, it's not scripted. You're just describing what you see in front of you. And, you know, I think I said it twice. I said, it, it makes no sense. I said, that throw makes no sense. It just doesn't. And I think, 
it's so funny. Like, I don't know why people just don't want to celebrate something. They've just got to try to tear it down. And DJ's taking a ton of incoming. Like, that's not the best throw you've ever seen. And he's like, well, it's me. I get to tell you what the best throw I've ever seen is. You don't get to tell me what the best throw I've ever seen is. It may not be the best throw you've ever seen, but uh, um, I, I think, and, and like, I don't, I don't know what the heck's going on with Orlovsky these days. Why, why are we gotta compa- why do we gotta compare Burrow and Herbert? Why do we have to do that? Well, and then I don't know if you saw him come back and he posted a throw of Matthew Stafford. There was a beautiful throw in the Cardinals game, and he said, This is every bit as good. Well, number one, no, it's not. It wasn't. No. Number one, no, it's not. And and that's the thing that I was trying to allude to when I said there's one quarterback in the NFL that can do that, and he's on the field right now in front of us. The la- the minimal effort that Herbert has to put into a throw like that is unlike anyone else in the league. It's not the flick of a wrist. Setting his feet and stopping on a dime, having the athleticism to stop on a dime, to reset his feet real quick, and, and have the arms back. That's what I mean. And, and, and with a guy who has a hand on his shoulder as he's letting it go, like that's the difference. It's not – I think – look, and who am I to, to push back on a guy that played quarterback in the NFL, but – it's it's not the trajectory. It's not the throw. It's not. It's the effort. That's the di- that's what looks so different. Is he makes it look so e- so much easier than anyone else in the NFL, and to have a pinpoint throw that has to be pinpoint because Guyton's split in safeties. That's dropped in the bucket. You know, for someone who's had a little bit of issues with drops this year, so now this has to be a perfect pass. Everything was perfect from Herbert's standpoint. He's got a giant linebacker bearing down on him who makes contact the split second before he throws. There's so much that that went into it. Um, and I just don't I don't get why it just can't be celebrated. I just I, it's it's why I hate Twitter. It's why I spend all my time on Instagram now, because I can still see all the stuff I want to see and, and get all the info I can get the 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 whole Twitter thing of there's nothing that's ever been good in the history of the world just drives me crazy. It's actually mind boggling, man, that we have to like pin Burrow and Herbert against each other. Like, I love them both. Like I like I was cheering. Yeah. Even though, you know, uh, even though a Bengals win um, would not benefit the Chargers is, you know, they're fighting for wild card spots. Maybe I love watching Joe Burrow. I, I do. I openly like root for him. I love the way that guy plays football and I can separate success of the Chargers versus success of the Bengals by enjoying that guy play football. And, and he did play a hell of a game and he didn't get help from his receivers and his backs in that game against the Chargers. And he toughed it out with a broken pig and it was awesome. Then I want to celebrate that because it was a, it was an awesome effort and it was a great game played by him. But like, the idea that somehow you've got to pit these two dudes against this guy. And what about Stafford's arm? And, oh, what about Patrick Mahomes? Whatever. Just enjoy it, man. Enjoy that throw because it's one of the it's – go, it's the throw of the year. And I don't think anything's going to touch it. You know, that's my opinion. I'm entitled to it, and I'm sticking with it. And if it wasn't Giants, Chargers in the late window and Fox, maybe it'd get even more run than it has. But, I yeah. mean, you know, it, it's – I don't know. Let's focus on the Chiefs. Uh, exactly. Popper, Much more important. Popper and Jeff going to join us. Uh, first, buddy, a quick interview with Corey Lindsley, the Walter Payton Man of the Year. An awesome dude, an awesome player, and what he and his wife Anna are doing with Casa is just remarkable. Well, it's perhaps the most prestigious award that the NFL gives out. The Walter Payton Man of the Year Award presented by Nationwide. And I'm pleased to be joined by the Chargers nominee, Center Corey Lindsley, 
Corey, congratulations. You've done incredible work in Green Bay. You've carried it over to Los Angeles. Let's just start with this for, for listeners and viewers who don't know what CASA is. Why don't you explain what CASA is? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so CASA is an acronym. It stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. And basically what happens, so if a child um, or children enter the Child Protective Services Program and they're removed from the, their home, uh, the judge can appoint a special advocate, which is where the acronym comes from. And basically you're the um, you're there to support, mentor, and be the voice for the child. So, you know, for instance, my wife and I, we had our case, it was twin, um, a pair of twins and then their younger brother. And we were, we would hang out with them once a week and we would, so because they were below, it, the age kind of varies, but below a certain age in the court system, a, a child can't testify for themselves um, in open court to basically say how they're doing, how they like their home, um, how the, the situation is. So what you do as a, as an advocate is you, again, you're meet with, meeting with them once a week and then you write a report to the judge, um, basically being the voice for the child. And that's kind of where the, that's where the tagline comes from is, um, you literally are their voice in the court system. So, uh, it, it, it has a huge impact on these children and, um, you know, we're thankful to be a part of it. Hey, Corey, you're no stranger to being nominated for this award. You're nominated for this award in Green Bay. Why was it important for you and Anna to continue this work in Los Angeles? And and I know you don't do it alone. So just speak to the partnership with Anna. I know she's just as involved. Yeah, it, you know what? We just felt so strongly about it. We both um, were approached by Kristen Jacobs, who's the executive director up in uh, Brown County, which is where Green Bay is. And, you know, we went through the training to become advocates, obviously became advocates, had our case. Um, she had two up in Wisconsin and it, we were just so inspired and kind of surprised by this whole area of life that we were very fortunate enough to not grow up in. And the testimonies given by the advocates, by the social, uh, the social workers, by everybody involved in CASA, we were again, so inspired by that, that, you know, we, we felt like it was the right thing to do to continue our, um, our work when moving to LA. And so we're, uh, again, we're thankful to be in this position to even, you know, be a part of it, let alone, you know, contribute in the way that we can. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but there are five Ohio State Buckeyes nominated for this award this year. I, that doesn't seem like it's a coincidence. Um, did, did you have that spirit of giving back in Columbus and even maybe before that? Yeah, I felt like at Ohio State, you know, Woody Hayes, the old coach back in the 60s, and, you know, he he had – I'm not sure if he has the trademark or whatever on it, but his his whole thing off the field was paying it forward. You know, it's it's hard to give back to and truly pay back, you know, so it's all about paying it forward to the, either the next generation or the people who are less fortunate. And I felt like, you know, my entire time – at Ohio State between Coach Tressel and Coach Meyer, um, you know, it, it, that was always a theme where it was, whether it was going to visit the um, cancer patients at, at the Wexner Medical Center at Ohio State, whether it was involvement in second and seven at Ohio State that um, helps kids, you know, fight illiteracy in the Columbus area um, by reading to second graders. So it, it's, it was always kind of a theme at OSU to, again, pay it forward, to, to do your part in the community. And I feel like, again, it's not a, it's not a coincidence. It's, it's something that we all, um, you know, grew up with in, in our um, 
Yeah, and I should mention Joey Bosa does incredible work with, with kids here in the local area, another Buckeye. Uh, Corey, the, the impact that you have, obviously on the field, you know, all pro center, um, you're playing at a really high level this year, but the impact that you're making off the field, uh, how has football really allowed you to make an impact that perhaps you didn't envision when you started playing this game? Yeah, you know what? I feel like so many guys, again, it, it, you know, being at Ohio State and then coming here and, and, and in Green Bay as well, it was always a, a theme to, to pay it forward. It was always an emphasis. And being in the NFL, I feel like it's we're, so, we're in such a fortunate position. And, you know, what we've worked hard to get here. But, like, you know, there are things that were out of our control that allowed us to be here. And for us to be that fortunate um, and not give back, and it's, you know, I feel like that's sort it's sort of our duty, you know, and, and I know there are tons of guys here who give back to the community, who have foundations, um, you know, doing charity work with the Chargers. It, it's it's all, you know, it's so inspiring, and, and I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of it. But as an NFL player, I think I – I think more often than not, we all feel a bit of an obligation to to give back in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, again, just to be in the position we're in, we're very thankful for it. Yeah, and, you know, nationwide, since 2014, they've donated more than $1.3 million to the foundations represented by the nominee. Just fantastic work by you, Corey. I'll get you out of here on a football question. Obviously, biggest game of the year, Thursday night. It's a short week. It's for first place in the AFC West. Uh, what have preparations been like for the teams? You guys try to move into first place in the division. Yeah, you know, biggest thing in these short weeks is is making sure our body's fresh. The mental aspect of this of this game, you know, it, it goes up tenfold. Man, you got to you got to know the game plan like the back of your hand. Um, and it's a big matchup. And you know, we we've worked hard to get here, and um, we got a formidable opponent. I mean, the Chiefs are are a great, are a great squad that um, have been on a roll here, and um, you know. Hopefully going to Thursday night, feeling fresh, knowing the game plan, and um, ready to roll. Well, best of luck, man. Uh, an even better person than player, Corey Lindsley. Can't thank you enough for your time. Yeah, appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. All right, before we get to our roundtable, a quick note to let you know that Pepsi, they're handing out the ultimate Chargers fan experience only at 7-Eleven. Rush in, scan the code for a chance to win some awesome Chargers prizes. Bolt up with Pepsi. Must be 18 years or older. No purchase necessary. Sponsor is PepsiCo. For official rules, visit boltupla.com slash 7-Eleven. Also want to tell you guys about picks for Popeyes. Every Chargers game this season, when the Bolts defense gets an interception, show the game recap email to your local Popeyes. Get a free chicken sandwich when you purchase a chicken sandwich at regular menu price. All right, Money, no outside guests this week. We're bringing in the experts, Daniel Popper, Jeff Miller, joining us for a Beat Writers Roundtable. And Popper, I guess let's just start with you, bud. This game, Money and I were just talking about it. You circle it when the schedule comes out, and you never really know what the stakes are going to be. Man, it doesn't get much bigger than this. Chargers took care of business against the Bengals and Giants, set this up for first place in the division. Yeah, I think, you know, before the season, after Justin had his rookie year, you know, everyone's talking about the Mahomes-Herbert rivalry and it getting going. Like, this is the start of that. Like, when everyone was talking about the Herbert-Mahomes rivalry, this is what you pictured. You know, December football, prime time, division on the line. And so if you're a football fan, if you love football, then you have to be over the moon excited about this matchup on Thursday night. 
Money it's a round ahead. table, Jeff. You see, it's a round table, so it goes around. Picture uh, it, I Jeff. Was, it's not I'm a crisscross not, table. Okay? <laughs> it's a diagonal table. <laughs> it's a I round table. To, I was just trying to come to terms with Pop using the term over the moon, which is oh, like for my generation. Yeah, that's an old-timey term. You never know <laughs> what you're going to get from me. Pop's an old soul, Jeff. <laughs> I'll dive yeah, deep wow. into the bag. He, uh, that That's a deep one. There's no question. Uh and uh, I have to admit that Pop's right. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, this, and you're, Chris, you're right. You, you circle these games, uh, some of these games, and this was certainly one of them. And it's it's everything that the NFL would have wanted, everything that Charger fans could have asked for, you know, other than being ahead of the Chiefs right now, is the fact that they, it's it's right there for them to take. And they can they can take the division. If they, you know, they win this game Thursday, they've got three games to go, and they're in a great spot. So it should be a great game. Hopefully everybody makes it to the starting line. Uh, we're seeing what's happening around the league. And, and uh, mm. I think everybody's just waiting for the next uh, the next round of tests and what's going to what's going to happen. But uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully we hopefully we get to Thursday and uh, everybody's good to go. At least the guys that we know are good to go right now. And, and we have a great have a great game because it's certainly set up that way. Yeah, I would just add real quick, Chris, I, I've been doing interviews, you know, a handful of interviews this week. And I had one that that asked the question of, well, you know, what I'm really looking at is whether or not Herbert's up for the bright lights. You know, it's a young player. And I just said, have you not? It's like, have you not watched Herbert this year? He plays his best football in primetime. Like he might be, I think since he came in the league, he might be the best primetime quarterback in the NFL. Uh, you could probably make it's that case. spotlight too big for number 10. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, no, this actually, this works out for him. This, this seems to be something he enjoys quite a bit. Good point. Guys, you know, Jeff, you alluded to it, the COVID situation around the NFL, man, it's it's kind of alarming right now. Teams are just, you know, look at the Browns specifically today and, and yesterday, what's happening to them. Right now, unfortunately, your franchise left tackle, Rashawn Slater, not expected to play in this one. Chris Jones, not expected to play in this one. Um, how do you think that affects this game on a short week, you know, and there's so many variables and we can go around the horn just talking about this, these Thursday night games, man, you really don't know what to expect. The chiefs have won, I think six in a row. You're, you're traveling, you're, you're down your best defensive player, um, arguably. And, you know, for the chargers, not having Rashawn Slater is a big deal. That's a huge deal. And I, I think what we're going to see probably is uh, some of that, uh, Justin, get rid of the ball quick. That stuff where you try to eliminate, uh, you try to take the pass rush out by just not giving them time to get to them. And and they're going to have to give uh, Trey as much help as they can. There's no doubt about that. I mean, whether it's McKitty or whether it's uh, you know bringing in an extra lineman. I mean, they're going to have to do that stuff. And I don't know that we're going to see uh, one of these uh, great you know, or multiple you know 50 yard bombs like we've seen in the last few weeks from Justin because he's just not going to have time. And I think what I what I suspect they'll do is they'll get rid of the ball quick. They'll get him on the move out of the pocket. Some we've seen him do that well, and that that can buy him some time too. But uh, they're going to have to adjust. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the state, you know, Rashawn not being in there is a big uh, loss. And then let's face it, Trey has not played well when he's he's been in there. He, he, they tried to use him as an extra blocker this year, and he couldn't hold that job. So it's a it's a huge adjustment and. Uh, We'll, we'll just have to see what the Chargers do, but I suspect those are some things we'll probably see on Thursday. Pop. Yeah. I The one thing I keep going back to is like how game script is going to be really important. Like the Chargers cannot afford to fall behind in this game and get into known passing situations where the pass rushers can pin their ears back. Like if you go down two scores, you go down 17 points, all of a sudden you can't max protect. You can't get into your play action bag with the bootleg especially if it's later in the game. 
and you're going to have to leave those tackles on an island to block if you get into those third and longs down a bunch of points where you have to pass the ball. So the the, the thing that's concerning is Rashawn Slater is obviously a great pass protector, but he's been a, a real weapon in the running game paired up with Matt Filer on that left side. Just go watch that first drive from Sunday against the Giants, and, and they were just running right behind Filer, Slater, and Corey Lindsley. And so ideally you'd like to possess the ball a lot in this game. You don't want to give the Chiefs a ton of opportunities. One way to do that is to force the Chiefs into turnovers, but that was more of an early season problem than a late season problem. So can they run the ball um, without Rashawn Slater in there? Cause he's been such a big part of that as well. So there's so many different factors that, that, you know, you have to start to address once you lose Rashawn Slater. And, and Jeff and I were talking about this yesterday. Like if you were to rank the players that the Chargers could least afford to lose for a game, obviously number one is Justin Herbert, but I would argue Rashawn Slater is number two, considering what he's meant to this team this year. Yeah, and, and so there's a couple things, like, as, as I try to figure it out, Pop and, and Jeff, and one is, like, we saw Herbert be effective last year with the worst tackle combo in the league with Sam Tebby and, and Trey Pipkins, and he was able to figure it out. He's, you know, so I guess I have that much faith that he's that yeah. incredible of a player that, that he's still capable. Um, I'm with you, though. I think if you were to rank both teams – player they cannot afford to lose one Herbert you know or let's just go one across the board Mahomes and Herbert and then right below that I would put Chris Jones I mean this this Chiefs defense was trash when they had Jones on the outside I don't know why they tried to do that in the first place but the second they kicked him inside it became a nightmare and everything else the back end started to connect with the front end was predicated off what he's able to do so like to me it's I'm anxious to see what that rush looks like. You know, I know Frank Clark has given it. Frank Clark is, hey, if you're in a good mood, Frank Clark's going to be in, you know, if he's in a good mood, he's going to be a nightmare. If he's yeah. just having a bad day, he doesn't show up. He'll disappear for games at a time. So I'm, I'm anxious to see what that looks like. And, and look, I, I know you guys have, have watched some, a bunch of Chiefs games. Their tackles are terrible. Orlando Brown has been an unmitigated disaster as a pass blocker this season. And whoever they've tried opposite him has, has been a bit of an issue. So I think it's, just to me, it's like you said, I think it's game script. I think it's low scoring. I don't I don't think the Chiefs are capable of kind of doing what we've seen them do in the past as well as Bosa and Chenna have been playing. So I think I think each team is going to have serious issues trying to get points on the board. Isn't it weird that we uh, this matchup, these quarterbacks and I think you're right, Money. I, I was trying to figure out how am I going to predict this? And I think it is going to be it has a chance to be a low scoring game, which seems really strange. The, the Chiefs have allowed nine points in each of their last three games. I mean, the, the, I will say this. Their defense is markedly better than it was in, in week three. And, Pop, you, you bring up a good point about running the football. And, Money, I'll start with you because you and I have talked about this running back two situation all year. And Sunday was the first game where we really saw real good balance and all three guys get involved in the running game. Can you do that, though, against the Chiefs? And do it because I mean I guess the, the identity of this team all year has been just thrown to football right the Giants are not a good football team their, their defense was not good they could be run on do you think you can run without Rashawn Slater and, and you know chew up clock like Popper said time of possession because I think time of possession will be big I mean I, look I wish I could say yes I think it's going to be incredibly difficult yeah. um, you know one of the things that that I don't know why it took me so long to figure it out probably because I'm not very smart but I said, you know, what, what's happening with this lack of running back too is, you know, Austin Eckler, and I don't know if I, I don't remember if I brought this up here, if it was on the radio show or, or when I did, but I said, the problem with, with Eckler is your running back one is 
he refuses to go down. He does not go down on first contact. So unlike other running backs that do, he's taken 50% more hits on any of his carries than a lot of other guys. And he's not the biggest guy. So now you kind of, that starts to compound itself by the end of the game. Um, you just, and because they have not been real effective running the ball, he's getting contact right away. Those holes just have not been sprung open for him this year. Unless like Popper was saying, you're running behind Slater Filer, uh, uh, Lindsley combo. So now that that's not there, I think he's taken more of a beating. He's on a bad ankle. And then you factor in that we just really, yeah, we saw it in just a couple flashes with Josh Kelly and Justin Jackson last week, but um, it's very hard for me to say that the Chargers are going to be able to run this ball. Um, I guess the only thing you would hope for is that the Chiefs are so excited and elated about those two tackles that they're just pinning their ears back and flying up the field and you have an opportunity to run right at them and maybe right by them, uh, especially with no Chris Jones out there. But it's going to be difficult. Yeah, the, the Eckler injury, the Eckler injury, I think, is is really big because even if he is active for this game, it's like how effective – can he be like, he's been playing 70% of the snaps in every game. Like, I don't think he can be that guy. And, and what, what money is saying with the running game is really important, but they're one of their best passing plays this season has been the choice route with Eckler out of the backfield. How good is he on that route with a bad ankle trying to cut to the inside or to the outside? And if you can't push the ball downfield and you're going to the quick game, checking the ball down to Eckler is going to be a big part of that. So one of these running backs has to step up in this game. Like they're going to have to play a decent amount of snaps and they're going to have to be productive, not just trying to run the football, but being that passing option, that outlet for Justin Herbert. And, you know, Justin Jackson, that is guy, what he is. you think it's Jackson? It's got to be. Yeah. yeah. Justin Jackson is the most reliable guy. You yeah. know, he doesn't, I know he had that 75 yard run in the Patriots game. He doesn't really give you that explosive element, but he has the patience. He's a good pass protector. You can rely on him on third down. So he has to be the guy. I really thought we'd see more out of Joshua Kelly. And that's been a big disappointment for me because you just see the explosive element of his game. Like he had a draw in that game on Sunday where he just exploded up the middle of the field for a 12 yard gain year. And then, but every other, every other time he gets the football, it's one yard. It's two yards. He's getting stuff. Now, some of that was the blocking and there was penetration on some of those runs, but I've always felt like he has the most juice out of all those three guys that have been fighting for that second running back spot. And, and I certainly have been disappointed that that hasn't you know, translated into consistent production. Jeff, what do you think, man? Yeah. Well, I think last week we saw, you know, Jackson was in there a lot early. I think they're trying to get him going. And I think they, they know what he's done. We've seen him do this in late season before, emerge and have a big game we've seen him do it in prime time late in the season so he's yeah. done this but you know it, it's just it, we haven't seen it and the, then you know he had like pop said he had that great you know 75 yard run that got everybody excited and then he got hurt right away so uh, I, I do think he's the guy that they want to go to and they, they're trying to get him going I think that's what that was last week when he was in there early and often and um, and the, he, you know, it's just, I guess the Chargers have to hope that we see it again. We, what he's done before in these kind of situations and it's right there in front of him. He's got a chance to do it. And maybe if Eckler isn't, uh, isn't, you know, a hundred percent, which he's not going to be, but if he's not as close to a hundred percent as we hope he is, or the Chargers hope he is, Jackson's going to get chances and he's, he's, he's going to have to produce because they're going to need, you know, the yards I think are going to come, you know, are not going to come easy, especially on the ground. Yeah, this is where having Chris that big back and would be great. You know, they just don't have it. You know, and that's why we got excited when they put Bradwell in there and then yeah. he, he runs a route and he's asked to pass pro and that was it. It's like, <laughs> well, wait a minute. That's not what we were hoping he was going to do. We, we want to see if this is a guy that can yeah. kind of be that big back that that most successful teams have. And, you know, they just they just have not been able to do it this year. But, yeah, I'm with I think it's look when when Justin Jackson's been healthy, 
he's been good. You know, yeah. he just he can't stay healthy. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about this Chargers defense. Each of the last two weeks, I think combined eighteen quarterback hits. Um, God, Joey got after Mike Glennon. Uh, I think he hit him four times. And Joey was out in that Bengals game, and you know Chenna had a had an awesome game. <clears throat> they were really getting after the quarterback. They're going to have to do that. But I, I also think, you know, we talk about this run defense, and I think the narrative has flipped a little bit in, in that regard. Um, the Chiefs, I, I don't know. Do you guys think it's a coincidence? Edwards Alaire comes back, and they start to have. I think their running game has has helped them in this six game winning streak and and money i just wonder can can the chargers a get enough pressure on mahomes to force him into mistakes you know and force him into the 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 three or four turnovers that they got in in week three and b can they stop the run and uh, avoid this time of possession deficit um well you know i'll start with the the force and i don't think you're going to force them into four turnovers you know that was that was but i will say i forced you know, six we, the last we, two weeks yeah i i know that you know i know that going into that game brandon staley told us he's like look we feel really good about our game plan we feel like we've we found some things and and i think you saw it out there you know they did not let him throw on the run to his right uh, if he was running, he was running to his left. So you weren't getting those shot plays downfield that Mahomes feels most comfortable. He just, that's where, that's where all those shot plays come from. He's running to his right and they go. So they were very good about, you know, managing that. I felt like they were able to contain him, uh, and prevent those explosive plays from happening. So I believe in the scheme. It, it worked last time. I think that the chiefs are very similar to the chargers. You know, they run reluctantly. They don't want to, you know, I, I know it's, it's looked better at, but look, the, the Raiders are trash. I mean, that, that, that defense, like it's, it's just the most baffling thing you've ever seen. The team averages 18 points over the other four games on this six game win streak. Mahomes got two touchdowns and three interceptions and the offense just isn't there and freaking Gus and, and the Raiders roll into town playing single high and they get absolutely humiliated. So it's just, it's so hard for, you know, so hard to reconcile. Okay. What is this chiefs offense now on this six game win streak? Because in those four games, it still ain't there. You know, those tackles are bad. Mahomes is under pressure. I mean, Orlando Brown, like all the Charger fans that were clamoring for that trade, I was like, have you not watched him? He doesn't pass. There's no pass pro. He's he's in a running offense, and that's great for him, and that's what the Chiefs should be doing, but they're still not doing it. It's it's It, it truly is confounding. Yeah. The, so the, the game plan in week three, I thought the biggest part of that was how disciplined Joey Bosa and Chenna Nuosu were in their pass rush lanes. Yeah. Like they rushed, and then they've cut off Mahomes from escaping the pocket. So I don't know if it's going to be a game where they get five or six sacks, even with the issues you're saying with their pass protection, just because the game plan is going to be, do not let him roll out right. because the, the, the priority is no explosive passes. Yeah. And what you're saying is that's where the explosive passes come is when Mahomes gets outside the pocket. So I, I think that's going to be a big part of it is just, okay, get, stay in your lane, stay disciplined. Don't let him escape. The other thing that's interesting is in that game plan, they had Tavon Campbell playing in the slot to match up with the speed of, of Tyreek Hill and Michael Hardman. Do, do they do that again? And can they do that again? The only way they can really do that is if they get Asante back and then they can move Tavon to the inside, right. but they really need Tavon on the outside if Asante isn't playing. And then, But then you have Chris Harris in the slot and he's been playing better lately. He's healthier, but at this stage of his career, he doesn't have the speed to match up with Tyreek Hill. So how do they, how do they create that advantage in the slot? I think is really interesting considering the injury to Asante. And Jeff, before you answer, we haven't talked about Darwin James and if he's going to be 100%, if he's going to be ready to go for this game. That 
is privileged. He better be. Yeah. <laughs> he so, better be because if he's not, that's a, lot. that's a problem. That's going to decide a lot. Yeah, I think we all can agree that, uh, you know, in Pop's list there of, you know, chargers who are most significant in this game, especially Derwin's right there, right? I mean, with, with Kelsey and, and just everything else that he means to the defense, uh, that him not playing would be, uh, that would be something that, again, the chargers would have to, really try to scheme and, and try to try to disguise that as best they can or overcome that, which is, you know, good luck trying to do that with everything he does. The one thing I would say about Mahomes is, you know, prime time, we all know what happened in that first game. He knows what happened in that first game. Um, so, the, the, you know, players like him, they tend to get their revenge in these, in these situations. Yeah. And just like it's there for the Chargers, it's there for the Chiefs. They know if we win this game, Man, this division is ours. Like it's, we, you know, it's our. It, we got it again if we win this game. So, uh, it's just one of the situations. I, I, you know, when you get in these these types of situations late in the season, man, it's hard to bet against a guy like Mahomes who's done it and he knows what's on the line and he can just kind of players like him, players like Herbert, they just kind of can take over games and and just uh, you kind of will their team to to victory. And I, that's one thing. If I was a Charger fan, I'd be concerned about is just. You know, Mahomes taking this thing over at the end and, and winning it for the Chiefs. Fellas, we'll get you out here on this. And Jeff, we'll start with you. Go around the horn. G- give me a player to watch on the Chargers and, and what you think will decide this one on Thursday. Uh, a player to watch. Um, that's a good question. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to go with Keenan Allen. Uh, he's back. And he, you know, if the, you know, the Chargers, if, we're gonna, if they go to this quick passing game, if they do some of the stuff we're talking about, Keenan becomes even more important because that, you know, he's a guy who's going to be able to get open and, and he doesn't need time. He doesn't need much space to do it. And, and hit, you know, those, we, some of those, you know, six, eight, 10 yard completions, the stuff that converts third downs or even fourth downs we're seeing, you know, this season, especially that stuff could really be, you know, we've talked about, you know, the Chargers always talk about and teams always talk about this extension of the run game. These, these kind of some of this short passing stuff, and that could be what the Chargers end up having to do because I think we're all in agreement that they're going to have a hard time running the ball. So I'm going to go with Keenan and just the idea that uh, it, since he's back and uh, we know how much Herbert likes throwing to him, that he, he could end up having a big game, a lot of targets, and that could be one way the Chargers try to try to combat, you know, the, the some of these losses they've got. Proper can I give like two? That? Can I give two? You can give three. three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm well, trying to play by the rules here. And okay, go ahead. Yeah. But no, no, no. I just want so my player to watch is obviously Trey Pipkins, but we already had we already talked right. about him. I didn't I didn't really get to talk about him, but um, you know, I'm gonna wait and see on Trey Pipkins. All right. Like I know the guy has struggled in the league, but Brandon Staley has put together a coaching staff and has really prioritized developing young players, and he's done it well with some of these young defensive players. Right. And, and he's talked very highly of Frank Smith. He's talked very highly of Sean Surrett. They've had an entire season to coach this guy up. This is the, this is the opportunity here. Okay. Can you develop offensive linemen and, and can you put your money where your mouth is in terms of that part of your process as a coaching staff? Um, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not necessarily confident, but I'm in sort of wait and see mode and maybe he comes out and shows a little something. Maybe that happens defensively. I'll go with Michael Davis. Um, because he's had a really up and down year, but he played really well on Sunday. And I know it was against Mike Glennon and that's obviously more pass breakups. Right. But just go back and watch that game. He was everywhere, man. Like, and he was like on those pass breakups, he was in really good coverage. Like even on the one to Kenny Galladay down the sideline, I initially thought he got beat pretty badly, but I went back and watched it. He was right there and he made an outstanding play on the ball. I know he got beat 
by Saquon at the end of the game. That was garbage time. I don't put a ton of stock in that. He was trying to jump it for a pick six. But so he's really showed a step forward in that game. But this is where it matters. This is against an elite yeah. quarterback. Can he show up in this game and be the number one corner that they're paying him to be? Yeah, and I'll, uh, positive pop on uh, Pipkins. That's the most positive thing that the media has said about Trey Pipkins in yeah. quite some time. So you know what I, I think? I like that. I, I do think that you know, Pop, you make a good point, which is, I mean, remember this was a team that was down their entire defensive line, and we're like, what are they going to do? I mean, they've got no Linval Joseph, no Justin Jones. You signed some guy named Andre Brown off a scrap heap, and now Fajoko's starting with Forrest. And it worked. And Gaziano had a monster game and Fajoko had a huge game. So I think it speaks to, you know, if you got good coaches, there's a reason. Look, it's been a tough go for Trey. There's no doubt. I think you said it, Jeff. It's, you know, they tried to use him as an extra lineman and just that little thing failed miserably. Um, But, you know, trust your coaches. He's a big guy. We've seen him move around. He's got the athleticism. So maybe there's something in there that can, can be saved. I'll go. I'll go Justin Jones. You know, you talked about it that you're probably going to see, you know, Chenna and, and Joey just make sure they contain uh, Linval Joseph. We know how good he is. He can he can pick up two blockers easy. He's been good at getting pushed. But Justin's just these last two weeks, you know, it's not just how good he's been in the run, but you're starting to see him get upfield more. And if you've got all that attention being paid and help to the tackles for Joey and Chenna, and we know Linval's going to eat up that interior of the Chiefs line has been really good. As bad as the tackles have been, Creed Humphrey's been great this year, like, that's been that's been a real solid kind of spot for them. Just Tooney, but if you can if you can pin him in, and now all of a sudden Justin Jones is firing up the field. You know, I have faith that Derwin's going to make a play any every game. So I don't feel like we need to mention him. And and you just alluded to how good Mike played last week. Just the timing on yeah. on those past breakups was exceptional. So I'll go I'll go maybe a Justin Jones game. All right. I predicted Justin Jones to have eight sacks this season before the season. So we're, let's get we're in there only, now. We're only six away. Now. It's six Thursday. You're on your way, buddy. <laughs> we're yeah, only I'm six just... away. Well, Keeping listen, away he, gets, he gets Leatherwood in week 18. So as long as he gets to the Raider game <laughs> at three, you're probably in good shape on your prediction. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually feeling pretty confident. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would, hey, listen, dude, if he gets like six, it'd be, it, it would justify everything that you said at the beginning of the year with him getting after the quarterback. <laughs> listen, yeah. I, and, and I don't know if this is just nostalgia or the fact that it's happened a couple of times or, or money's epic call a few years ago. I want to go Mike Williams. Mike Williams shows up against the Kansas City Chiefs. He did it on Thursday night. He a few does. Years ago. He yeah. showed up earlier this year. Um, he's, he's having an awesome year. And I think Getting Keenan Allen back will only help Mike Williams maybe make a big play or two down the field. And, and I think this guy's Justin's been fine under pressure this year. He's been just fine. If you give him just enough time to get the ball down the field to 81 and to Jalen Guyton, who's had his best two games really of his career um, in each of the last two weeks, um, back-to-back touchdowns. I don't know. I, I think Trey, Let's let's have a little faith. I think the backs and tight ends are also going to have to step up in pass protection and give Justin that extra time. But I'm going to go 81 simply because my favorite call of Matt Money Smith was when the two point conversion was had in Kansas City in 2018, and the Chargers made the playoffs. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a uh, that was a fun game. <laughs> and credit Anthony Lynn for going for it, man. You know, yeah. let's let's get out of here with a win, or or we'll go home saying we gave it everything we had i absolutely you know that was one of the great uh i remember being in the booth when he made that call and we were so geeked 
that he that he did it. Obviously, selfishly, we didn't want to go to overtime, but we were like, <laughs> yes, this is what playoff football feels like. Go for it. You know, one play to win the game. And there was uh, no hesitation. Exactly. And hopefully it comes down to that. I mean, you know, let look. Herbert so you, is uh Herbert go for it. I think they'll go for it, money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Safe Listen. to say. Herbert's 2 and 1 against the Chiefs and you can make a compelling case that he should be 3 and 0. Oh. Uh, you know, that I was a hell of a debut. Mahomes, I know. Hey. That, that was Andy Reid's decision, not Justin <laughs> Herbert's. You don't want to put Mahomes out there, that's on you, Andy. Uh, you just give the guy more confidence anytime the old red, white and yellow come to town. Yeah, and, and that was Justin Herbert's first ever start, and the Chargers led wire to wire until yeah. overtime. You until, know, until a uh, fifty. What was it? Two back to back fifty six yarders, fifty eight yarders, fifty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, are we going to mention the fourth that? and one punt or no? Yeah, yeah, right. The old fourth and one punt on the uh, that that was a, that was a great one. Um, yeah, just give it back to Mahomes. You know what? I'm gonna quickly. I'm gonna quickly before we bid everyone farewell. Um, as my dog is in my lap and I'm trying to hold her off right now. Um, Dustin Hopkins. Did the fact that I have confidence in this field goal game. I mean, every time they would trot a field goal kicker out prior to Hopkins joining this team, DJ and I would look at each other like, boy. here we go. I have confidence this guy's going to bang field goals every time he runs out there. And I think when you're playing what we, I think all of us feel like it's going to be a tight game, man, it's huge to have that guy out there um, that, and and I think there's something to that, right. You know, that it's self-fulfilling. Like you would just see Badgley jog out on the field, you know, or Vizcaino jog on the field. You're like, Oh man, I, I do not like the way this feels right now. Dustin walks out. I don't even think twice about it. So like, to me, that's, that could end up making a huge difference in this one that they have not had someone like this the last couple of years. And the confidence from, from 40 plus, like that's, that's the difference is like when he, yeah. when he drives out there right. for like from for 40, 43, 44, 45, 46, you're like, okay, yeah. this yeah, guy's got this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm still just trying to wrap my head around someone asked money. If, if Justin Herbert is ready for prime time. Yeah. <laughs> As my, yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys can hear me still. My uh, oh, yeah. my camera nope. my camera just went out, as you can see. So yeah, maybe I think that's time, uh, time for us to go, fellas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Appreciate it. We'll see you on, on Thursday night. Dress right. warm. Dress warm. Wear boots. Two pairs of socks. <laughs> All right. Well, Muddy, I don't think anything else needs to be said, man. I'm, I'm just excited for this game. I mean, it's it's an opportunity to to win the AFC West now not win it on Thursday but really you feel put yourself feel pretty good about it you feel yeah. pretty good about it uh, and to sweep the Chiefs man for the first time since 2013 no doubt and it's there you know I think regardless of of how it goes you know I know fans probably don't want to hear this and especially you know on a Chargers podcast but you know I'm just I'm excited the team is in this position you know, I, I think kind of the way the last two seasons have gone, not playing meaningful football. You know, last year it was all about the development of, remember, we were having this debate in December, like, hey, is it better to lose games and have a higher pick? Or And we were like, no, win them. You know, get Justin Herbert on the winning side of the ledger and playing winning football. And that's what we were talking about. Now we're talking about, okay, what's going to happen with the Browns, the Bengals, the Bills, and the Colts, and how's the playoff seating work? And this win could mean the division crown and a sweep of the – like. I'm just happy that we're in this position, um, you know, that on December 16th, we're going to be calling a game between the Chiefs and the Chargers, and it's going to probably decide the AFC West. That's 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 look, is it an, it's not enough for for the Chargers, that's for sure. But for me, man, it's such a win to, to have these sort of games in December. And I could not be more excited that we got the Chiefs at home on a Thursday night for the division, essentially. No question. And, you know, I think looking at this thing on parallel paths too, man, I mean, the Chargers are eight and five. 
they're essentially a game or game and a half out of first place in the conference. And this is the first year of this operation with Brandon Staley too. And I think, yeah. I think we, we should look at it that way as well. Like, yes, you want to win the division. You want to go deep into the playoffs. You want to make a Super Bowl run in 2021. But Brandon Staley is putting something together for the long haul. And yeah. having Justin Herbert as his quarterback in year two, the fact that they're, they're making progress, they're winning games against really quality teams. And you see this consistency that you hope will continue into 2022, 2023. I, I think fans just also need to look at it that way. It's like, hey, yeah, we're, we're looking at yeah. 2021, but I think we're set up really nicely with Brandon Staley as the head coach. Yeah, I think just, you know, the I think the pushback on that is, and look, I said it with you, I'm just happy they're where they are right now, is this team's good enough. This team is good enough to win the AFC. You know, I believe that, regardless of how they looked against the Ravens or how they looked against the Patriots um, or whatever it looks like Thursday night, I think this roster is good enough to win the conference. Uh, I know it has some holes and they need some some health luck, but I think if, if you have, an, you know, if you have, 95, 90% of your roster ready to go when the postseason starts. I think you'd feel good about that team that takes the field against whatever opponent they're facing this year in the AFC. The AFC is just wide open. And I think you've got to take advantage of those opportunities because, you know, you really did feel like last year or the year before, like, man, the Chiefs look so good. There's just a separation there between that team and that roster and the rest of the league. And does not feel that way this year. And you never know how long that's going to last, you know, considering the Patriots have ascended back to the top of the, the conference and, where they might be at and in their future, you, you really would love to see uh, a team, you know, that this team take advantage of that and, and all the holes that all the other teams in this conference happen to have right now as we're approaching the postseason. Yeah. It wouldn't be a changing of the guard, but it would be finally someone challenging the chiefs and, yeah. and making it known that this AFC West is not going to be a cakewalk anymore. 100%. Right. 100%. All right, brother. Love doing this with you. I will see you on Thursday. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network. Big one on Thursday night. Look forward to seeing you guys there. For Matt Money Smith, I'm Chris Avery.